you do? Did you get your hair cut? If this ever gets back to the front office, there's going to be trouble. Pick <laughs> it up that large neck. <laughs> oh, I cut that out. Thank you very much. Now, I did a uh, strange thing. It's the first time I've ever, I, well, in, in months, actually seen you clearly. It's very interesting. Yeah, it looks good. No, oh, no, no. I'm not I'm not pro-short hair. Not at all. I mean, you know, I'm every guy to his own problems. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. I just come back from uh, from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, you know. And I'll tell you this. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, I, I walked down the street. See, I was in this town called Bemidji. Bemidji, yeah, it's a town. It uh, sounds like a skin problem, but it ain't really. It's a town. And uh, I'm walking down this town, see, right in the middle of town. It's about uh, 11,000 people. It's right on the edge of the North Woods. And, uh, in fact, it's in the North Woods, nothing but woods for miles around. And, uh, hey, listen, uh, I did something <laughs> in Bemidji, which I will discuss later at a later date. Uh, did you ever go falconing? You did. Did you ever read much about it? Well, I went falconing. I, actually, not falconing, but I went with this guy from the uh, from the state game service out there. He asked me if I wanted to go out and uh, help him catch kestrel hawks at uh, five o'clock in the morning. And uh, that, you know, that's when they do their thing. These these hawks. And uh, that's uh, quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite an experience, I'll tell you. But uh, nevertheless, I'm I'm walking through the town, see, and uh, it's a uh, Bemidji, Bemidji. It's a great-sounding name. It's north of Brainerd and just south of International Falls, which, by the way, is the coldest place in the United States, uh, International Falls. And Bemidji ain't far behind. In fact, uh, I was there, you know, it's the middle of the summertime, see? Uh, and and even then, you, f you see playing. Have you ever really looked at the northern lights? Oh, boy, it's fantastic. You know, I, I've, I've seen the northern lights in a lot of places, uh, like when I was up in Alaska and that, but I have never seen the northern lights as cleanly and clearly as they uh, are over over northern Minnesota at this time of the year. I'm walking out uh, down the main street about 1 o'clock in the morning. See, I was doing this thing at Bemidji State College, which is a, you know, it's a college there, and they had this upper Midwestern Writers Conference, and I was called in to consult on fiction. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's very official, I'll tell you. So anyway, I'm walking along. It's one o'clock in the morning, see, and uh, there's a sh uh, always at night up in Bemidji, and there is a slight edge to the air. It is it is never truly summer in our standards by our standards up there, see. Even though during the day it gets to be warm, it's 85 or 86, something like that, and the sky is so blue you can't believe that they still have blue skies. You know, you know it's funny. That's a, that's an interesting problem. Uh, that we have to face in our country. And that is that large parts of our country read about things in the paper and it has no meaning to them at all. Uh, you know, they, they read about pollution up there in Bemidji and, you know, pollution up there is, uh, you know, uh, some guy threw out a Baby Ruth candy bar wrapper last month, you know, and they've been raising hell about it ever since, you know, and that's called major pollution. And, of course, uh, when they... Uh, but when they think of pollution, they don't really they don't really understand it, you know. And that's also true of a lot of other things. Uh, they they're just uh, they're just living about roughly 1937. I'd say about that. 
And another thing that hit me right away, see, I'm walking right down the main street of Bemidji, and I was hit by the fact that something, something bugged me. Not really bugged me, something bothered me. See, I go into a restaurant there, a little restaurant, where uh, every morning they... Uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things in a small town that you just don't believe still exist, but they really do. I mean, you, you, I, I go in this little restaurant, and they're right in the main street of Bemidji, and it's 8, eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, I sit down in a booth, and this uh, girl says, uh, comes up to me, and she says, would you like, uh, would you like uh, some, uh, what would you like for breakfast? She, would you like some breakfast rolls or anything like that? And I said, uh, oh, yeah. She will here, serve yourself. And she hands me one of these, uh, you know, these uh, pinchers like that you take uh, sweet rolls out of the case and stuff like, you know, you see them in bakeries. And they had this gigantic case of sweet rolls, all kinds of stuff, you know, Danish, they call it here. And they don't call it Danish, you know, out the, outside of New York. It is not referred to much as Danish. In fact, it's uh, called sweet rolls in places like Bemidji. So she says, here, take it, take it, just, uh, serve yourself. So I get up and there, whole big case, and all these people are walking around picking out Danish and stuff. And uh, sitting down, they they bake it every morning there, for, fresh. It doesn't come in a truck. See, so I mean, you know that's hard to get used to. So I, I sit down with my Danish. I'm waiting for the coffee, and the girl comes back over and says, "Well, would you like coffee?" And I said, "Yeah." She says, "Well, uh, here, serve yourself." You know, and over there they've got the coffee urn going. So you go, you pour yourself some coffee and sit down, and and everybody comes in about eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. All these guys from all around there, you know, from the working from the stores and stuff like that, they come in. They sit down for about an hour. And just drink coffee and talk to all the chicks and, and to eat the Danish and everybody knows everybody else. See, well, it was obvious that I was uh, some, you know, some out of town type. And they were really looking at me and I couldn't figure out what they were looking at me. How, why did they know me, you know? I sat there. I have a certain uh, anonymity about me. And, uh, I'm, uh, of course, at the same time, I was vaguely concerned about something. I, I, I noticed something was different. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I'm in this ordinary restaurant, you know, four mica tabletops and all that stuff. Well, then it hit me about halfway through my meal. And it hit me hard that the very, very short haircut is still in extreme vogue in many parts of the country. And I don't mean very short. I mean with the sideburns that end about an inch and a half above the ear. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And you don't see that. Uh, you just don't see that in, in New York, you know. And, and, and so here, these guys are all sitting around. And these are not, uh, you know, these are not old codgers or anything. This is not, so don't immediately jump in and holler, Generation Gap. No, not at all. Most of these guys were going down to the school, you know, which is about a block away, see. And, and here they all sitting around. They got crew haircuts, a crew haircut. Well, then I also noticed that the beehive is alive and well in Bemidji. You know the beehive hairdo, the whole big thing that sticks up in the air there. See, so I'm I'm uh, sitting there trying to hide my sideburns. See, I got these sideburns there. I was putting the paper up around my ears, and I was reading the paper, trying to pretend like uh, you know I didn't have these sideburns. They they spotted me right away when I came in there, because just the way the sideburns are. So I sat there drinking my coffee and uh, absorbing Bemidji culture, and I walked down into the main street, walking down the street there. And uh, it's beautiful because the sun is just absolutely blinding. It's uh, blinding because it isn't that the sun is bright like Florida or anything like that. It's because there's no smog. I mean, absolutely, it's, it's amazing. You know, the sun is still working up there. You, uh, you, you kind of forget that when you're in New York for a long time. You think that, you know, a lot of guys, I've heard guys say it actually. You know, New York never uh, accepts its own guilt. 
And I've sat in places like Needix, you know, guys say, you know, Sonny, what it used to be. You know, it's that Charlie. And uh, I've heard guys say, yeah, yeah, you remember it used to shine out there. You could go and you get a sunburn. Well, uh, in, in other parts of the country, the sun is still like it used to be. It's, you know, it's very bright. You look at it and you don't, your eyeballs water and all that stuff. But here in New York, your eyeballs don't water except from the air. And uh, you, you can look at the sun for days on end in New York, and it won't uh, won't cause you any trouble. You don't need sunglasses. And yet, you know, you go to other places where they got a real sun, and they don't wear sunglasses. Nick, I'll tell you, another thing where I had tipped the gaff that Shepard was obviously from some, some far-out place, and any place outside of Bemidji is considered a far-out place, and real far-out, you know, uh, for the Bemidjiites, because I had sunglasses on. See, you know, New Yorkers are used to wearing shades all the time. Winter, summer, 4 o'clock in the morning, anytime you wear shades in New York. Uh, generally, to assume your mantle of anonymity, and <laughs> so they can't tell what you're looking at in the subway, uh, or and to keep the crud, the larger crud, out of your eyes when you're walking around the streets here. That's now they also too. The New Yorker has gotten used to the fact that uh, looking at the world through shades gives it a kind of softness. That uh, yeah, it's it harshen, it softs the harshened edges. You know, the, the 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 more crummy stuff is filtered out. See with the filters on the shades, but uh, they don't have shades out there, so I'm walking around wearing shades, and I kept seeing the people kept looking at me on the street. I walked down the street, and, I, and I'm dressed just like anybody else, you know. I'm walking around there. I got the, I got a pair of uh, Montgomery Ward Chino pants on. This is a typical costume. I, I immediately went into costume out there, see, and, uh, yeah, you wear these uh, Fruit of the Loom T-shirts. That's what you wear a lot out there, and uh, so I'm walking along there, but these guys kept looking around at me. I said, oh, it's the shade. So I take the shades off. And, of course, instantly I stagger back, not having been used to seeing the sun for years on end. Uh, I was like a mole or something that had emerged from under a rock, a grub. And I staggered back in a true New York fashion. The sun blinded. Oh, you know, I walked around. And uh, I also was hit by the fact that uh, it's amazing that the skies are still blue in certain other parts of the country. Uh, this may come as a surprise to uh, Jerome Kretschmer, the Environmental Protection Agency man here. But out in uh, places like Bemidji, uh, you just don't know about the, you know, crappy, rotten, gray skies. They have blue skies. So I looked at them. Fantastic. It looks like it's fake. I mean, you know, there's so much fake out there. It's just fake stuff. And another thing I noticed, too, uh, you'll be surprised at this, Nick, you know, is they have the most incredible collection of course, I, I, uh, I'm an experienced observer of this species that you would not believe the women that they have in Minnesota. It is unbelievable. I want to tell you, you just can't believe what you're seeing. You think at first, you know, that maybe you drank something on the plane and it's gone to your, you know, gone to your eyebrows or something. And I'm walking down the street. I couldn't believe it. Oh, boy. I mean, I guess it's the Swedish and the Norwegian forebears or something. But you never saw such statuesque incredible f females walking around in your life, as you see in Bemidji. And, uh, you know, they're walking around it. And uh, there, there's a certain uh, a certain uh, innocence about it, too. <laughs> you know, they walk around the streets. And I notice another thing, concomitantly, I have noticed this, uh, and others uh, before me have uh, commented on the same thing, that wherever you see fantastic-looking chicks, you kind of see dumpy-looking males. That the average male in Bemidji... Uh, looks a little bit like, uh, well, a fire plug with feet, you know. There's a little squat-looking guy with thick red neck and has a crew haircut, but he's accompanied by this incredible high-octane Amazon. Whew! 
You know, you want to run up there, you know, grab a hold of it and say, why are you wasting your life with Olaf there? Look at that clot. Run away with me. And, uh, <laughs> well, they walk around at dime stores. So, uh, uh, by the way, speaking of that, this is WOR in New York, your penny and dime station. Uh, no, I mean, uh, your friendly station here in New York City, your family station. And uh, we have a little ding-dong. Hit the button, Herb. Hey. Hey, what's this? This is Sam DeLuca. Merle oh. Harmon and I will bring you New York Jets football live every game beginning this Saturday night at 7.35 when the Jets meet the San Francisco 49ers. It's Jet Live time professional football oh, every New York already. Jets game starting Saturday night on WOR AM radio. Yeah. That means summer's almost over already. I'm sorry. Did you do anything at all, Nick? Did you do anything at all this summer, or just think about what you were going to do? Uh, yeah? What was that? Did you hear that sound? Sound like we got a goat in the equipment here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I'm walking around at Bemidji. See? Now, if you don't think this is relevant, I'm going to just come point out that I think one of the great relevant things of our time is the break is the breakup of universal communication, really. And so, no, I mean it. It's no, there's no way you can tell a guy in Bemidji about pollution. I mean, he 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 sees Walter Cronkite. They get that there, you know. It's two weeks delayed, but they they get it up there, and uh, it's in black and white. They get the, you know, that they still get John Cameron Swayze up there. I think there's some kind of a delay in the line or something. I think the coax has got a delay in it, but uh, yeah, they still get Milton Berle and all that. The Faye Emerson show is still very big in Bemidji. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's eerie. You walk around, you know. And so, so, but one of the things I noticed about, about Bemidji is, you know, is the, is the fantastic uh, belief in short hair. There's a real strong belief in it. And uh, then there is another thing which I must say is on the plus side. Again, it, uh, it bothered me a little bit when I saw it happening there. I couldn't figure out. At first, you know, your, your mind isn't focusing well when you go into a new place, an alien atmosphere. And uh, my mind was uh, attempting to grope with the problem. There was something else that I missed. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then it hit me all of a sudden. I, I, it hit me because I, I got in the only Bemidji bus. They got a bus, one bus. goes up and down the main street every half an hour. And it hit me uh, just like, you know, bam, no graffiti. Nobody had written his name on anything out there. Not one, no, not one, not one, and and uh, yeah, not one thing. And I, I I spent a long time looking for graffiti. Then after you know somebody writing his name on the wall, and uh, if you don't know much about New York, for those of you who wonder why I'm saying this, in New York every available inch of space uh, has this this town really must have done a tremendous amount for the paint spray can industry. It's just fantastic. I mean, damn little paint is used to paint stuff, but a lot is used for graffiti. And, uh, yeah, you can even now get the kind of glows in the dark uh, for your own name. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yes. In fact, I think some of the paint companies are turning out a, uh, you know, a, a type of paint called graffiti red. It's uh, non-erasable, will not come off, and it's good for over 2,000 years of erosion. It'll never come off, you know, and it glows in the dark. And so, in, in New York, every available inch now has some guy's name on it. That graffiti, you know, graffiti used to be making smart remarks. Not any longer. You just write your name, like, Fred, 123rd Street. 
That's it. You just write that all over. <laughs> I mean, millions of them. See? And, and, uh, and one guy said this to me. I, I, you know, it made sense. I, I, I was sitting in this joint uh, talking to a guy in the Blue Ox Lounge. It's a great name for a lounge. A lounge, the Blue Ox Lounge. And I want to tell you something about the Blue Ox Lounge in, uh, in Bemidji. Yeah. You know, you, you think of Minnesota as, as a kind of a... Do you ever think of Minnesota at all? What kind of a state it is? Well, I'll tell you one thing about Minnesota. It has to be one of the most uh, uh, watery states in the world. Of course, you know what it says on their license plate, 10,000 lakes, and they have more than that, millions of lakes. Actually, they said there's about 12,000 lakes in the state. But, uh, boy, everywhere you go, there's lakes with great names like Lake Plantagenet, elegant names. Uh, But uh, the area that I was in was Chippewa Indian country. And you probably heard about the Indian problem they've been having up there. They, they've really had a, a real hassle up there recently. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, any minute now, there's going to be guys riding out of the darkness, you know, with uh, arrows and darts and stuff. Yeah, oh, they really, really, it's a big problem up there. So the, the Chippewa Indians are all around there. Big, from fantastic uh, Chippewa Indian uh, reservation, not too far from there, on Cass Lake. And, uh, in fact, when you listen to the radio up in Bemidji, especially on Sunday, they have a lot of shows in Chippewa, in the language. Have you ever heard the language, Chippewa? Well, it's a kind of a guttural, curious-sounding language, really. It sounds a little bit like uh, something like Russian, actually. They go something like that, and uh, they even sing in Chippewa. The guy's singing... uh, you are my sunshine in Chippewa, and because <laughs> they're loud and clear. But nevertheless, uh, you walk around town, you see the Indians all over the place. And I saw an Indian do a great thing while I was uh, standing around outside the Blue Ox. He was talking to his friend. Now I always had this idea that Indians had a fantastic ability to, you know, to, to had sixth sense and stuff. See, and uh, they they could uh, they could uh, you know they could they could know when dangers creeping up on them. All of us uh, have, uh, you know, we've read, you read a lot of Indian stuff when you're a kid. Well, I'm standing in front of the Blue Ox, and along comes these two Indians, and they're talking to each other, and they're waving their arms there. They're talking about the, in fact, they're talking about the Minnesota Twins, in case you're interested in what they were talking about. Yeah, oh, they, boy, they're ape about the Twins. See, so he's walking right there, and one of them says, Oh, Frank Aquila, see, he's talking about the manager. The other guy's arguing. Apparently, he was a fan of the other manager who had just been fired. You know, they're always firing managers up in Minnesota. It keeps a old pot stirred up up there. So they, one guy's arguing in favor of the new manager. The other guy's arguing against the new manager. And I watched this happen. You know, here I am. Uh, I'm supposed to be a white man. He had no knowledge of danger any place. No sense. So I'm, I, I see it now almost, you know, just before I started to holler, I was going to holler, hey, hey, who oh, watch out, when it happened. He's so excited talking about the Braves, or rather, about, excuse me, about the Twins, that he runs right smack into a telephone pole. I mean, with his face, bong, like that. And he staggers back. <sighs> and the other Indian, you know, stands there and looks at him. And, and, and with that, the first Indian who ran into the telephone pole... <laughs> They were, you know, they were just talking. It was the, they weren't tanked or anything. They were just talking. And, and he ran, well, I mean, really smack into this pole. I mean, he would get clunk. You see, the, in fact, it was a street light. And you see the street light jiggling up there, you know. He really banged into it. Well, the, the second Indian sort of looked at him. And the first Indian sat down on the curb and started to cry. Yeah, he was crying. 
So I went over there and I says, there, there, it'll be okay. I've done that several times myself. See, my nose is just about the same as it used to be. Of course, it's twisted a little bit to the right, but that's all right. You'll get used to that, too. In fact, it helps because when it rains, and uh, so he looks up at me, and then he stopped crying. And uh, <laughs> in a brief little moments, he just sort of stopped crying. He says, are you okay? So I go, yeah, fine, fine. So what, what did I hit? And I said, that telephone pole there. Oh, oh boy. And then he jumped up and started to argue about quality again. So I figured he's okay. And uh, they walked on down the street. Now, that was a little brief incident, incident in, in Bemidji. Now, uh, for, for those of you who uh, are curious, though, uh, about uh, Minnesota, and I imagine not many of you are, uh, no, no, that's the problem with our country. Uh, not many people are curious about any other parts of the country, except selected places. Yeah, everybody's curious about the far west. So if I start talking about Colorado, everybody wants to hear. Now, if I talk about California, everybody wants to hear. If I talk about New York, everybody, you know, they say, what? What's he going to say? What rotten things are going to... You know, right away, they're ready. But there are vast areas of the country that hardly anybody ever mentions. as if they don't exist. And the Minnesota is certainly one of them. Now, the part of Minnesota I was in, in case you're curious about... Uh, about geography, it was only about a hundred miles from North Dakota. So uh, North Dakota was like a local state, you know. They, in fact, I noticed that the old traditions were still in existence there. Uh, you know, the, you know the old American tradition that no matter uh, what state you're in, everybody in that state believes that the most insane drivers in the world come from the next state. Like every every cab driver in New York, there's no question about it. They believes that practically all the accidents caused in New York are caused by Jersey drivers. It's a fact. And, and he will tell you this, particularly Jersey medical types, uh, Jersey MDs. So uh, many times I've been riding around in a cab, see, somebody will cut us off. They say, look at that, look at that. Oh, <laughs> that Jersey driver. Look at that. They ought to ban these guys from the road. And, of course, I, it does no good to point out to them that the guy has a White Plains license plate. You see, it's a Jersey driver. It's enough. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in a guy's car. Oh, you know, I love to see these old traditions go on. Say, I'm in a guy's car. We're riding along the main street of Bemidji. Well, we get uh, outside. Now, there's not a lot of action on the main street of Bemidji. In fact, one guy told me that one week alone, he says, traffic's getting pretty rough there. He says, one week alone, he saw four guys make left turns in one week. It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> I said, how many made right turns? Oh, about seven or eight. And uh, that's big, you know, big. That's in rush hour. So we're riding along, and a car, believe it or not, no cars around. We're driving along through the outskirts of Bemidji, and a guy cuts us off. Just, <laughs> he goes by, cuts us right off, and continues right on down. With that, my friends, ah, oh, oh, those North Dakota guys. Oh, I don't know. What I ought to do is just ban them guys on the road. Sure enough, there goes the North Dakota. <laughs> now, if you go to Fargo, of course, the same thing you're going to get about Minnesota guys. So it is a fact. So, uh, oh, we have our traditions, but I'm I'm uh, I'm out in the in the in the I walked all over town, see, and, and so I'm sitting there in the Blue Ox Bar one night, and uh, this is a uh, this is a, a a real bar. I mean, it's just a bar. It's not like Charlie O's or uh, you know those elegant bars like the the uh, Lion's Head and the you know no no this is a real bar. This is this is for drinking. It's not for sitting around pretending you're Jimmy Breslin. It's a real bit. So I walk into the Blue Ox, see, and uh, I sit down. 
Now, I have a technique which I follow in bars when I'm in alien places. I sit real low with my head pulled down between my shoulder blades. I look mean, see? At the same time, I look like I just came into town with a gigantic semi full of rotten potatoes bound for Fargo or someplace, see? So I'm sitting there. Bartender comes up and says, what do you have? Well, now, a lot depends on what you order in a bar like that. It really does, see? Uh, One of the safest things is holler beer. And uh, they'll draw you a Coors out there, a Coors. Actually, the big... What, what do you think is the big beer in, in the, that town? It's not Coors, I'm sorry. It's not a Coors. Although they do get it out there. Uh, the local beer. You know, everywhere I go, I, I taste the local beers. Well, anyway, the beer out there is Grain Belt Beer. Grain Belt Beer. Grain Belt Beer. And uh, so he's... You know, he, he's got green belt on tap, light and dark. So uh, I, I look up and down the bar, and I see both these guys, you know, all the way up and down on either side of me, these guys are hanging over the bar. They're just sitting there, see? And in the background, I can hear Merle Haggard. And Merle Haggard is plunking away there. He's singing White Line Fever, you know, White Line Fever. Oh, how the years go rolling by. And you hear this, this uh, you know, the guitar is going away there, and these boys are just quietly sitting there. And so... The bartender says, what do you have? And I said, gin. She says, how do you have it? I said, neat. Well, of course, that was a signal up and down the bar that, uh, that uh, don't mess around, you know. I'm, I, I mean, so he says, what kind do you want? He said, got the beef eaters, we got Gordons, we got Plymouth. I said, Plymouth. Plymouth. And he gives me Plymouth, neat. Yes, sir. And so I sit there, say nothing. You stare straight ahead. And there's a guy squatting down next to me. He's staring straight ahead. And uh, he's, he's got this bronze, the, the, this kind of creased look in the face of a guy who has uh, stood for many, many a day under the sun. And there's been a lot of rain fall on him. A lot of raindrops fell on that guy's head, see? So we're sitting there for about 40 minutes. So this is the way you start a conversation in the bar. Don't start and say, ah, I'm, uh, I'm a Fred. Uh, what are you doing here? Uh, uh, you're from Bemidji? You don't do that kind of stuff in bars like this because most of these guys came walking in. Now, you never think of Minnesota this way, do you? With the big 10-gallon hats. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. This is definitely in the beginnings of the West. And uh, what's more, it's the non-tourist West. (laughs) There aren't many. Yeah, these guys come in, you know, they they got the high jeans, you know, hung down low, down around the hip, you know, and they got uh, these... uh, these shirts with the buttons, you know, the western type uh, blue blue denim shirts, and they got the big ten gallon hat. So this guy's sitting next to me in the bar there, and he's got his his boots up on the the rungs. And finally, he says to me the following: Just out of the blue, sitting there, we're both staring at the at the back of the bar. There's a mirror, and there were a lot of bottles, and above the mirror was a painting. It was in, done in blue and black, big painting, oil painting, see. And the guy says to me the following. You know, whoever painted that painting ain't never seen no real bull. Well, at that point, you don't just jump in and say, Oh, ho, my name is Fred. Uh, <laughs> are you from Bemidji? Not at all. You just look at the painting for a long time. I'm giving you tips on how to get things going in the bar. So you don't, you don't say anything to that. So you look at it for a long time. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe five minutes. Just don't say anything. And then finally I said, 
Yeah, that's true. Another long, pregnant pause. He said, you know, that don't even look like no real bull. I don't know. You know what that looks like? That looks like somebody has cut the horns off an elk or something. That ain't no bull. And, of course, it was one of these amateur paintings that painters, you know, amateur paintings always do of a bullfighter hanging over a bull. You know, they always do that painting. And I said, uh, what kind you raise? He said, Bramus. I said, well, yeah, that bull there needs a hump there. A little more of a hump. He's got, he got no hump. He said, that's right. And there was, he said, hey, bartender, who paid that thing? And the bartender turns around. First time he's actually looked at it. You know, big fat bartender. He looks, he says, I don't know. It's been here ever since I come. Then he looked at it again. He did a double take. He says, you know, whoever painted it, he probably ain't never seen a bull. That ain't no bull. <laughs> Three of us sat there. And then it started, the conversation. The guy says to me, I think the twins are going to make out. And I said, I don't think changing manager is going to help. So I agree. I know what's the matter them guys. He was drinking Jim Beam, in case you're interested. That's the bourbon. And he was also drinking it neat. And uh, another long pause. And all of a sudden, we hear behind us in the booth, there's there's about five middle-aged ladies, see, and they've been uh, knocking it back pretty good in the Blue Ox. And one of them starts to get a little loud about it, see. And then she says, if, it, if he thinks he's going to get away with it, if he thinks he's going to get away with it, I'm going to tell you I'm going to bust his neck. Well, then there's a slight pause, and the lady across from her says the following line. She says, what do you mean? I'll tell you this. You ought to get down on your knees that you got him. He's too damn good for you. That's what. With that, the guy sitting next to me says, hey, he says, you better watch out. He says, the trouble's like will break out here any minute in the booth there. He says, you know, we had a fight with them four last week. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, I finished my Plymouth, and the bartender, without even being asked, come over and gives me another one, see? Now, I didn't say anything, so he just comes over and lays another Plymouth on me, see? And uh, I said, thank you. He said, oh, it's all right. He says, you buy the next one. So I'm I'm drinking my Plymouth then, and, and uh, my friend is knocking down the the uh, he's knocking down the beam. See, when all of a sudden he comes up, he says, "Hey," he said, I, I, "He said you you uh, see you got uh, you got out of town here." I said, "That's right." He said, "Where you come from?" I said, "Well, originally Indiana, but I'm out east now." Oh yeah. I like travel. This is his line. I said, you would like to travel? Where would you like to go? He said, you know what I want to do before I die? I said, no, what? He said, I'd like to go down to Mexico and watch one of them guys fight one of them bulls. He said, you know, I've seen that in the newsreel, and I've seen it on TV, but I'd like to see that once. I'd like to see one of them guys fight one of them bulls down in Mexico. I want to go down there sometime and see that. I said, Why? He said, you know, I'll tell you, he said, I know a lot of guys around here, I figure, fight bulls better than them guys, them tight pants. Let me tell you this, I got this cousin Howard one time, 
He says, this big old bream, he says, that bream weighed damn near two tons. He says, big old five-year-old bream would come out of the barn one day. Somebody left on the lash. He come out of the barn, took out after Howard. And he said, I want to tell you, Howard just run around that barn about five or six times, jumped right over the hood of a Ford pickup truck. Just cleared it, didn't even touch it. I said, no kidding. He just went right over the hood of a pickup truck, didn't even clear it, just didn't even touch it, huh? Yep. I'll tell you, he said, boy, put one of the bramers in the rings, one of them Mexican guys with the tight pants. He said, I'll tell you who'd win that fight. He said, you notice they don't fight bramers. I said, well, I guess they don't. He said, well, that's what I want to do sometimes. I want to go down to Mexico and see one of them fights. He said, you know, he said, I'll tell you, he said, you, you ever been around here in the winter? I said, well, I've been in the Midwest. I've been up around this part country in the winter once in a while. I said, I don't like it because it gets cold. I said, it's so cold up here. I said, I just don't buy that. He said, well, you were right. You were right. He said, I don't know what keeps me here. He said, I, you know, sometime gets down 30, 40, 45, 50 below around here, you know. 50 below, he said. He said, I'll tell you what. I tell you what, it's it's gotten a lot nicer. He says, there's a lot more fun now around here since they come out with the snowmobiles. He said, I love them snowmobiles. I just go around all over in the snowmobile. He said, I got myself a, a, a Skidoo 300. A Skidoo 300. He said, the snow starts coming down, I start driving it, baby. He said, I have nothing but a lot of fun. He said, I'll tell you what. I said, uh, is that good for picking up girls, too? And girls like them big Skidoos. I said, my God, I never thought of picking up girls on a snowmobile. You mean you pick them up? Oh, yeah. He said, they're good for scoring. I'll tell you, they're good. I said, really? Yep. So the bartender comes over, gives him some more beam, gives me some more Plymouth. And then all of a sudden, it starts breaking out behind us. Because <laughs> they've been talking low and mad for a while there. And all of a sudden, this lady gets up. And she says, you got no right to say that. You don't live with that son of a... You don't live with him. Now, he may be your brother, but I live with him, and that's different. Well, bartender says, all right. He just, just, okay. And he walks out from behind a bar, <laughs> and he leans over these four ladies, see. Now, these are ladies that look like they come right out of the, they're right, right, right out of the PTA. Now, these aren't tough bimbos. These are just four ladies that dropped in for a couple of, you know, quick snorts before they went home and fixed the meatloaf. And so, he just walks over to those, those four ladies, see. And he's got a beer bottle. He doesn't do anything with a beer or hit anybody. He just takes the beer bottle, see? I never saw this trick. And he just goes with the with the beer bottle on the bottom. He goes, bam, like that. He goes, now you cut it out. He says, now you, you ladies just sit over here and enjoy your drink. He says, I'll buy a drink for all four of you. Now, what are you having? And, of course, as soon as a you know free drink is offered, these ladies stop the arguing right there. Because in Bemidji, Minnesota, a drink uh, <laughs> is a drink. And it's important. So he takes the order for the four drinks. And a couple of seconds later, you can hear the ladies giggling and laughing back there, and the jukebox is going on, and you know, Merle Haggard is singing about, you know, about white line fever. And uh, you know, one other thing I found out about Bemidji, Minnesota, in case you're curious about that area up there, after a couple of days uh, walking around the, the outskirts of town and seeing the people there, and they, they, it's right on a lake, by the way. It's, uh, it's Lake Bemidji. It's uh, the, the the number one thing everybody eats up there is walleyes. Yeah, every place you go is walleyes. Walleyes are on the menu everywhere. And you can get yourself a plate of really good, fresh walleyes for about $2 and a quarter up there. The food is, is good and cheap. And uh, they got a lot of other things up there. The Swedish, of course, is a big thing. They had a fantastic Swedish smorgasbord. $1.95 all you could eat. And uh, you come in there and you just stuff that stuff in and you shovel it in, you know, with all this 
all this, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, herring, stuff like that, see. But sitting there one day in the Coachman, which is this little restaurant where they have the where they have the uh, the sweet rolls, and I'm talking to a guy. And he says, you know, he said, uh, he says, uh, you've been walking around town a lot, haven't you? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, the thing I notice about this town is it's uh, so clean you can't believe it. Nobody writes on anything, and everything is just, you know, even old stuff is clean. You, you see more old cars roaring down the streets of Bemidji, like, uh, you know, 57 Dodges in that era. Uh, not really old, like, you know, Model A's or stuff like that, but about, you know, 53 uh, Studebakers, all kinds of 53 Studebakers, and 56 Fords, and the... Uh, they're all kind of rusted out, but they're all clean, but rusted out and old. You see that door is hanging. And I mentioned that to him. I says, you know, they got a lot of old cars. And he looked kind of sad when I said that. He says, yep. He says, you know, the figures just come out. And I said, what figures? He said, yeah, the figures just come out. He said, uh, funny thing. Do you know that Bemidji's the poorest county in the nation? He said, Bemidji's in the poorest county in the nation. I said, you mean of all the counties in the country? I mean, in places like Mississippi and the places like Alabama and Georgia and all those places? You mean this is the poorest county in all of the country? He said, yep. Lowest income of the country. I was, I was amazed. Would you have believed that? That's right. Lowest income in the country. So I walked out, you know, in the street. That, that, that kind of changed things, see? <laughs> Gave you kind of a different view of things, you know? And I walked out. Now I know. I knew then why every time I looked up, there were guys out there on that lake fishing for walleyes. You know? There's some guys that fish for fun. And that's most of us. Then there's other guys that fish because that's what they have to eat. That's it, man. Ain't nothing else. So uh, I, they were out there fishing for walleyes. And uh, a couple of days later, I'm I'm standing on the corner, see, and, and I felt that cold breeze. It's, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning. I felt a cold wind blow down that street that was coming from the north. And here it is in the middle of summer, see, that cold wind blowing down. You just feel it in the edge. Now, this wasn't just a cool breeze, the kind of... The kind of cool breeze that you feel sometimes on the Jersey Shore, you know, in the summer. No, there was a meanness about it. Just kind of a meanness. And I saw it playing up in the sky there. Oh, boy, it's unbelievable. At about one in the morning, a great, shifting, fantastic curtain of, of northern lights. If you've never seen the northern lights, the northern lights hang from the sky. And it looks like a curtain, like a curtain in a theater. And they're silver and blue and hazy. It looks curiously like smoke or searchlights in the eye, in the sky. And they move and shift back and forth. And that cold weather up there, I could just feel it. And the guy, uh, about an hour later, see, I'm talking to a friend, and I says to him, I said, you know, I said, this is summertime up here. He says, yep. He says, sometimes summer up in this part of the woods comes on a Wednesday. He said, and everybody's disappointed. So we preferred to come on a weekend. I said, what did you do last summer? He says, well, last summer we... Uh, for summer, I'll tell you, uh, summer hit last... He said, you believe it or not, summer last year come right in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. 
We all went out and had a picnic. I said, really? Summer came last year on a Saturday afternoon. He said, yep. I said, how cold does it get here? We said, I've, I've seen it 64, 65 below. He said, that's, that's kind of unusual. Usually it hangs down around 50 below, maybe 45 below. I said, now you're going to tell me you don't feel it. He said, well, in a way, that's true. He said, I, I've seen guys walk out to go down to the A&P, and they just never found them till spring. He said, probably didn't feel nothing. They just froze in their tracks. It happened so quick, it's just like deep freeze. He said, of course, you do feel it sometimes. You know, once in a while, he says, when it's 40, 50 below, he said, that wind comes down. He said, you wouldn't believe it when the wind is 30, 35 miles an hour. And the temperature standing at 50 below. It's mean, mean. We looked up at the northern lights shifting back and forth. And down the street, the Blue Ox Bar was swinging into high gear. And you could hear a Buck Owens record. And it was Saturday night. They're playing the happy stuff. And Buck Owens was singing out there, you know. And I could hear them ladies arguing back and forth about whether or not Maisie was lucky to have Ralph, or whether or not she ought to get down on her knees and thank God he ain't left her yet. And they just continued on and on, quietly rolling. Nowhere, nowhere do they know anything about Sixth Avenue. They couldn't guess what life was like down in the village. But then on the other way, most people walking up and down. By the way, this is Bob Dylan country, in case you're curious. And you know who the, the chief graduate of Bemidji is? Jane Russell. They still talk about it. Yeah. WOR New York, you stay tuned for John Scott and the News.